I want to tell you guys uh, a little something real quick. We're, we're obviously we're at the end, if you haven't been with us, we're at the end of this series called uh, EDLD, Evangelism, Discipleship, Leadership, and Diversity. Um, and, and so we're doing part two of diversity today. But, but I wanted to tell you, start off today, um, just with a little a thing that's been told to me. And, and the thing that's been told to me is this, that, and I've heard this over and over again by people, um, and believe me, uh, when you have a, a multi-ethnic family, like Jen and I have, you get to hear like the craziest stuff, okay? You get to hear people that are trying to be like cool with it, and they're like, so they overstep what they need to say, and then like, you're like, why did you say that? And you knew it was because you had black kids that they said it, you know? So you just play with them a little bit, you know, and you're like a little cruel. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, and so, but I've heard this thing said, like it says this, that, that in order to achieve diversity, we have to be colorblind. And, and I think about this and I'm like, I don't know if I like that because does that then spill over to being age blind and intelligence blind and skill blind and on and on. And so I just think sometimes that we say this, that I kind of disagree with this statement. Um, I think that we need to see people for who they are without having to strip away uh, their rich, maybe their age, maybe their skill that they have, or maybe the culture that they're from. Uh, And and what we're going to do is take a look at this painting here uh, not this one, uh, this one, yeah, and so if you guys, maybe, hopefully everybody maybe knows this, if not, I'm going to tell you what it is, does anybody know who this is, who painted this, Van Gogh, okay, and this is called, okay, good, and this is called Starry Night, and so I just want to be, I want to be colorblind, right, okay, no, I don't, I don't think that when we view art that's, that's made to be in color like this, that we fully gaze on the picture of, of what we are even as humanity. Because I believe that we are God's masterpieces and that some of us have a lighter tone of skin and some of us have a darker tone of skin, but, but within that skin, each one of us has a story. Each one of us has a, a cultural heritage that, that, is, that is rich. And I believe if we're colorblind, we look past that. Now, should we look at everyone as human? We are all human, right? And so for me, uh, I want my, one of my sons and one of my daughters, I want them to know their Ugandan heritage, right? I want my other son to know his Jamaican heritage. I want my daughter to know her Guatemalan heritage. I want my two biological daughters to know their white boy heritage, all I got for that one. Um, but man, I mean, I, I just look at the full, when we, when we switch to color here, and then we got to see like what was going on maybe in Van Gogh's mind. We got to see the stars 
we got to we got to see the moon, right? And we got to see the the color and and then as we look across the globe, we get to see the richness of what humanity is and what God has created. And so I would encourage everyone in here, please don't be colorblind. Diversity is already all around us. Right? It's about us saying, God, you're so good. You have created so much that is so good. You've created people that are not like me. Thank you. All right? And that have a story. Oh, Dad, calm down. Okay. Uh, And so, amen to that. I mean, that was a horrible spot to say amen. Okay. And so, um, (laughs) and so, um, I just want us to, to think about that, you know, that, man, just the richness of who we are um, and just love people, you know, for who they are, love and learn about cultural heritage. Don't strip that away from people, all right? And so uh, let's pray. God, help us to see people for who they are, which is an image bearer of you. And so, as we see you, God, help us open our eyes to who you are. Because God, for me, sometimes I see, I see a white Jesus. And I'm wrong for that. Because A, he wasn't white. And then I try to box them into my own culture and my own thought progression. So God, we want to see you in the fullness of who you are and what you want to do. And so Father, I just pray that you would have your way in our hearts and in our minds and our lives. God, that we could impact change here in Lakeland, Florida. In Jesus' name, amen. And so and the diversity doesn't stop there, I mean, we look around and we see all kinds of churches. How many of you guys just love, I love churches that cheer for other churches, yeah. right? Like I saw this thing today, it was so awesome. I was like, hey, if we weren't your cup of tea, try these other churches. They hand this to people as they leave the service. Because we're, dude, the moment that we start to compete is the moment we start to lose, Right? Like, we're in this thing together, and I, I'm just so, um, I'm really excited about what God's doing. Um, I don't know if you, if you guys are knowing what God is. I mean, there's just some stuff happening. Like, I don't know. I think churches are coming together and starting to wake up and realize, like, hey, we're working together in this. You know? We're not competing in this. Um, and so I just, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Um, and I think we just, as long as we stay open, you know? It's, like, it's kind of like that open hands, open heart thing. Like, God, just use us wherever. God, just use me. And, and the, you know, the best thing about it is, I know I'm harping on this a little bit, but the best thing about it is God knows I'm white. He knows that. So I don't have to be anything else, right? Yeah. And so, you know, God knows that you're Puerto Rican, and you don't have to be any, anything else, you know? God knows you're African-American. You don't have to be anything else. It's who you are, it's who he created you to be, and there's such a richness in that, and there's a richness in that diversity, and I just think that's when those barriers start to fall and we just see people like, oh, yeah, there's, they're people, they have an awesome cultural 
background. Let's learn more about that. Let's be sensitive to that. Let's, let's, do, what, let's do what God would do, okay? Let's do, this is our, his children. And, and so uh, I'm just, if you guys don't know, diversity is something that's near and dear to my heart. If you haven't figured that out, you can figure it out now. Um, and, and so we go through this series. We talked about evangelism, simply telling the people of the hope that is found in Jesus. We go through discipleship um, that is walking alongside people that make a decision to follow Jesus. And, and sometimes, you know, that takes, that takes months, years. It's, I think in our Western culture, we, we expect to go out one time, pray for somebody, they accept Jesus, and we don't really have to have a relationship with them. We just know that there's one notch on the belt and we can move on to the next person. Um, and it might be years before we see that person give their lives uh, to Christ. It might be months, but are we in it for the long run? Uh, and, then, and then the cool part is when we see these people that are far from God, and then we see them come into leadership role. And leadership was defined uh, as influence, and then Ray defines it, uh, puts, takes, a, takes another notch on that and says we have to be able to lead ourselves in order to lead others. If we can't lead ourselves, how can we lead others? All right, so we talk about that self-leadership and, and with the realization that all this stuff uh, is glued together by diversity and, and that the realization of this, that, that we are reliant to be filled by the Holy Spirit, that the empowerment for all of this stuff comes from the Holy Spirit, all right? We can't do any of this on our own. If we try to do it on our own, our plans will be foiled. We might, we might do a little good. But man, can you imagine doing it with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Now, when I say the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, here's what I want us to grasp this morning. The God who spoke everything into existence, that looked at dust and breathed into it, and a human was formed, that, that God that, that looked at death in the eye and said, no thanks, I'm going to get up now, it's been three days, all right, and, and says no thanks to death is the power that is living within us, Okay? And we have to understand that because if we don't understand that, um, then we're kind, of just, we're kind of just moving along in life, right? And so when we act as, as we are, which is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can do more things that we could do by ourselves. Last week, we made a few observations that diversity is the interwoven fabric of the story of God. Um, that we are called to be diverse, that the kingdom of God is for everyone, we talked a bit about the cultural significance of diversity, and we talked about how anger and contempt uh, can block diversity. Being angry at someone and then contempt is taking them and then making them worthless in your mind, and then how that can push us back into our um, alike groups, All right? And so how do we achieve diversity? Now, I will not be able to give you a complete picture here this morning, because I believe we, this is a subject that we could talk about uh, forever, right? Um, because it always needs to be talked about, because sometimes we, most of the time, don't we just like to kind of come back to our group? Like, we reach out a little bit, but I got to come back to my people, all right? And so we continuously need to talk about this. I believe that we, as we become more diverse, we will become more stretched, uh, and then that diversity will become something that's more natural, all right? And understand this, again, we're not, we're not talking about just uh, socioeconomic 
differences. We're not just talking about ethnic differences or cultural differences here. Uh, diversity is in age, too, because if you're a teenager, uh, what are you going to do, like, hanging out with 70-year-olds? Like, can I learn anything from them, maybe the teenage mind would say? Or, and if you're mature and you would say, oh, my gosh, like, I could learn a lot from them. Saw a cool t-shirt once, oh, to be a teenager again until you hang out with teenagers, right? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, never mind, don't want to do that. Um, and, and so what can we learn? And then, and then sometimes, the, sometimes the older folks can be like, these darn kids, what can I learn from them? How to relax. Um, and that's middle age and everything, right? You see these kids, they're like, they don't care, man. You've seen their rooms. They don't care. They don't care. And we're like, what are you doing, all right? And, uh, and so it's cool just to see the freedom they have. So we can learn. Uh, we can learn people that we can learn from people who have different skill sets than us. You know, and we can take away from that. And we can say, ah, it doesn't apply to me, all right? We can brush those people away. Or we could get, make an interest in that. And so diversity is this huge topic. Um, but we're going to cover today is going to come out of Leviticus 19. Uh, 33 and 34, and we're going to move through Scripture. A lot of it won't be up on Air Bible here because we're just going to move and groove. Uh, hopefully, I don't move too fast for you. Uh, 19, Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you. It says this, Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And what he's saying there is real simple. He's saying treat people like they're humans. And he, and he goes on, and he says this, uh, and love them as you love yourself. And the key that I want to take away from this is, is this, that we have to remember um, that we were once far from God. Like, that has got to be something that is continually on the mindset of a Christian, right? Like, and so in this instance, I'm talking about people, like, that are far from God. And, and what does that mean? It means that they have no desire to be in a relationship with God, but maybe they even know God. Maybe they know Christ or they know of Christ, but they're just, they're away right now. And so how do we react to these people, do we, do we push them away? Do we not make time for them? Or do we meet them where, we're, where they're at, just like Jesus met the disciples where they were at? And it, it, we, we sometimes, again, we sometimes do church so well, well in quotes there, uh, that we forget this. We forget that once we were far from God. And so God is calling them. He's saying, hey, don't, don't forget, okay? It wasn't long ago that you were foreigners in a land uh, that wasn't your own. And so if we turn to Mark 12, that's going to be in the uh, New Testament. And so we turn to Mark 12, second half of, you know, part two of the Bible. No, uh, it's the continuation of the story and and Mark is one of these, it's uh, called the Gospel of Mark. And uh, 
Mark 12, 29 through 31. Check this out. This is pretty good stuff. Um, We'll start with 28, just because we're fun. All right, here we go. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. Jesus would, he would often have these debates. Um, And uh, I don't think he acted like a wild man once. Uh, He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus says this, well, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, is the one and only God, the one and only Lord. And you must love your neighbor or love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. All right? And then he says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And here we see that the first thing we have to do is what? It's real simple. We have to love God. Now, we say that's simple. Of course it's simple because no one knows if we're loving God or not. Right? I mean, think about it. Do you love God? Yes. Sweet. I take you at your word. All right? Um, But here's the one that gets a little complex. Right, it's the next one where you have to love your neighbor. This is the one that was my neighbor. Um, what's going on? I feel. Oh, it's November. It's no longer Pastor Appreciation Month. Okay, um, and so no. Um, so you have to love your neighbor. And now the <laughs> the word used here. Uh, is a word that is standing for in proximity to, right? And so, and Jesus, if you don't know this, Jesus is just quoting there Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, Leviticus 19, 18. But here's what Jesus does, as he often does uh, in Matthew 5. He says this, I mean, you know, why? We were good with love our neighbor, right? Steve, we love our neighbor. Well, thank you. And so, but Jesus says this. Interestingly enough, he says this. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, and I'm going to fill in here, I say as the the completion of the new covenant, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting like true children of your Father in heaven, for he is, or he gives sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain and just, uh, on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father is perfect. And I'm going to say this this morning is this, that, that I, believe, I believe we love the Matthew 28 
Anybody love the Great Commission in here? You guys are afraid to answer because you're like, what's he going to say next? Okay, I get it. Think about this, and I thought about this this week. I said, to the ends of the earth, right? Right? So if we look in Mark 16, if we look in Matthew 28, he's going to send them out to the ends of the earth. I believe that sometimes we love the end of the earth commission because we, we think it frees us from going next door. How many of y'all lived your best life on a mission trip? Come on, bro. They don't even know you. Okay? Glory. I was, I was, I was on point on the mission trip. Okay? Then I came back to the mess that I've made. Love your enemy. Well, I thought you were talking about diversity today, Andy. I am. Maybe your maybe your neighbor is your enemy right now. Maybe you don't even know your neighbor. Well, well, hold up. It, it said to the end, he sent them out to the ends of the earth, though, to baptize and and to and to uh, and to tell them the good news. So, okay. Well, where does the end of the earth start? When we walk out of these four, day, four doors today, four walls, where does the end of the earth begin? It begins in the next step, right? And when you get home, where does the end of the earth begin? For, for you, where does it begin? It begins next door. It begins across the street. It begins at Target or at Walmart or wherever you are. That's where the end of the earth is. See, don't wait for February to go on a missions trip to Puerto Rico for your ends of the earth to begin. Let your ends of the earth begin now. Because Jesus doesn't contradict himself. He says, love your neighbor. He says, love your enemy. He says, where is the ends of the earth? Well, he called you to it. Where are you at right now? I believe God has us at specific places at specific times so that we can make a difference and do a specific thing. I believe that Lakeland Vineyard is located at 2023 West Pipkin Road for a reason. It wasn't by accident. And so what do we do? I believe that he has all of you guys' addresses. He knows where you live. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He knows where you're at. He knows if you're 50. He knows if you're 80. He knows if you're 13. He knows if you're 90. He knows all this stuff. We serve a diverse God. And I want to say this, and make sure you write this down if you're writing stuff down. We have to grasp this reality that's going to pop up here on the screen, okay? When we submit our lives to Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. We live out God's calling for our life. I want you to, let's, let's talk about that for a second. When we submit our lives to Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. We Live out God's calling for our life. Uh, so great when Clayton came up and prayed and he says, God, just thanks for this another opportunity. What if, what if we woke up in the morning and we said, instead of saying, oh, gosh, another day at such and such a job, 
another day working with Greg Mays. You know, I mean, you're talking, you do, you know, or whoever. Oh, Greg, are you here today? I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean to call you out like that. Okay. Uh, and so I went back to when I was teaching at GJ. And so um, when we talk about, we talk about this, and, and, and we say this, we say, God, what if we woke up and we said, you can still struggle to get the eyeballs open. I get that, okay? That's cool. But you're stretching, you're like, God, before you roll out of bed, before, you're, before your feet hit the ground, God, thanks for another opportunity. Thanks for another day. Thanks for another day that I'm alive and I can do something uh, and I can partner with you, that you would partner with me. What are we going to do today? What do you want to do today, God? What opportunities are you going to give me? Because if we start looking at life as an opportunity to live out God's calling and not just a life that we can keep living for ourselves, what we're going to see is we are going to be able to speak life into people. Do you understand that? God is not sitting around waiting like, oh, well, I don't know. There's no opportunities available for, uh, for Todd to speak into anybody's life. I'm sorry, Todd. We got we to gotta shut you down, okay? All right. Uh, Josh, sorry, buddy. Just there's no opportunities for you. Christina, none for you. Um, uh, this is a lie. Do we understand that? Dude, let me tell you something. If we put better glasses on, like God-focused glasses, we would see opportunities all over the place to speak into people's lives. And let me tell you something. God hasn't forgotten you because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And guess what? It's not only for your life, it's for your neighbor and it's for your enemy that he wants to speak life and it's going to happen through you because you're a follower of him. You are filled with purpose, you're filled with destiny and you're going to release that into people's lives. It's really that simple. How can it be that simple? It's that simple. Turn with me to a book called 1 Peter. It's before 2 Peter. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Man, check this out. 1 Peter uh, 2. All right? And uh, we're going to go. What are we doing? Um, 13 through 17. says this, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials as appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence the ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free Yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Here's what I invite you to do. Consider that. And it's going to take more than a two-minute consideration here. Consider that when you get home today. 
consider that. What, is, what does that mean? It will, uh, in God's will, that your honorable lives should silence the ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Can I, can I submit to you maybe this morning that, that because your life is going to be lived out for Christ, that someone who is far from God is going to come to know God? Can, can I just tell you that, that you, that because of the blood of Jesus, you have been made right with God and that your life can be a representation of what Christ is? And that's not a pressure-filled statement. That's a, that's a statement of reality. And if you turn with me then to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 13, it says this. We've been reading this one. I'll read it again, though, because by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection for every one. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. The verse that continuously sticks out to me is there in verse 7. It, you know, it talks about all these things, and, and it talks about faith and moral excellence and knowledge and, and self-control and patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection. Then it says, and, and love for everyone. Love for your enemies. How reverse economy is that. Well, he or she did me wrong, therefore I will do this. And God and Jesus says, nah, you need to turn the other cheek. Nah, you don't need to react. Matter of fact, you don't even need to respond. What? That's what he says. I'm just going to take him at his word. You know, I'm going to take anybody at his word. I'm going to take anybody at their word uh, that looked at death and said, no, thanks. I'm going to take anybody at their word. All right? If the Holy Spirit raised you from the dead and you were the one that was prophesied about years, I'm going to take your word for it. I ain't taking none of y'all's word. I'm taking Jesus' word. Right? Okay? Okay. Mark 12. Let's go back to that passage. The most important commandment. Here's what I love about this passage because Jesus identifies these two commandments and then he says this. Uh, the teacher says this. He replied. He said, well, 
Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And in verse 34, we have Jesus realizing how much the man understood. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Now, now I want us to understand here when Jesus is saying, you are not far from the kingdom of God, well, then let's quickly define what is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, right? That's what the kingdom of God is. And Jesus says, you're not far from the rule and reign of God in your own life. See, because here's what I want us to go. If we take away anything today, which maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But if we take anything away, this dude says this. Now, we have to understand who this guy was He's ingrained in the law. He's not, this, this dude knows his stuff. We're talking a doctorate level person says this. He says, what you, what you have said is true. There's only one God, no other. It is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. He says, this is the key though in my mind to this verse. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. Let me present to you today that loving the Lord with all that you are and loving your neighbor is more important than this worship service this morning. See, what if we, what if we peeled back everything, what would be there? And what I'm gonna pray with you guys and with over myself is this, that, that we could come to a place where the kingdom of God is at hand. Not only is it near, but it is at hand, that we get to experience the rule and the reign of God. What does that mean? We're going to see some serious change take place in our own lives. We, we begin to understand that when we react to someone, we, we realize that that wasn't a reaction and we actually responded to them. That, that when we needed to say something, that we said something in a way that was kind and that was true and that was necessary. And when we didn't need to say anything, we didn't say anything. When, 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 think about this for a second. I mean, what, what kind of financial advice is this? Give away your money and God will bless you. What? Hold on. I, I did not read that in any of my finance classes. Right? Who read that? You know? Accounting. I didn't read that. All right? Hold up. But in God's economy, he says, no, I've given you everything. Okay, how about, can you give me back a little bit so that ministry can take place? Here's the deal, guys. Ministry takes money, right? It does, bottom line, all right? 
You don't see us out there, Clayton and I aren't rolling around in some, uh, I don't know, whatever car you want to choose that's more expensive than mine. Mine's a 2011 with uh, 63,000 miles on it, so holler at your boy, okay? Um, And it's going to stay that way, right? But here's what I'm saying is is this, is this right here. God, would you you put on our hearts that we want to run after you? God, would you, would you put it on our hearts, you know, that, that, uh, that what you're calling us to when, when we say that, that, that the kingdom of God is near, that it's because we're holding things like this. Had a conversation with a friend this week, and we talked about this. This is how we got to hold stuff, right? You know? Man, this is how I hold Lakeland Vineyard. Let me clue you in on something. First time guest, glad you're here. I don't know what I'm doing. Here's what I do know, okay? I know that God has given this church a vision. I know that God wants us and with other churches to impact the Medela community. I know for some people that seems like a small vision. That's a huge vision because we're affecting hundreds of families' lives, right? I know this. We might not get one press piece about it. Perfect. I don't care. I know this, 35 families are going to eat on Thanksgiving because of us, right? I know this, that children are going to get Christmas presents, and more than Christmas presents, they're going to get the good news of Jesus Christ because of us and the small part that we get to play in something that's bigger than us. I know that there's going to be events that are held in Medela that are going to come out of the inspiration of you guys and what you all want to, you all are buying into the vision of what's going on in Medela. I know there's kids' lives right now that are being affected at FCA, and it might be a few, but come on. What is one? Am I going to leave the 99 for the one? You better believe it. The kingdom of God is, is at hand. And here's the beautiful thing. We don't have to make it happen. The reality is this. We can't. And normally, what happens when we make it happen? Guess what? We screw it all up. So here's what I'm saying. Let's run after God. Let's run after his vision. Let's get in his word. Let's start cultivating a relationship. It's not just going to happen, guys. Put yourself in a position where God can change you. Let's all do it. And all of a sudden, we're going to have, well, I was, yeah, I was at PDQ the other day, and uh, yeah, I just ran into this person, or I ran into this person, we ended up talking at Walmart for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, I was having coffee with this person, and then another person came up and joined us. I don't know where it went. I don't even know. I didn't even know their name. I just knew we started talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, right? I mean, you know, you all have hit people with this before, right? Can I pray? Man, I'll pray about that with you. Okay, thanks, man. No, you're like, no, right now, man. Like, kingdom, I want kingdom come right now. Right? Come bring change right now. Because we believe that, right? Jesus is, Jesus is not in heaven, and God is not in heaven on a retirement plan right now, waiting to come back. All right? He is alive and well and at work in our lives. And if we let Jesus do that, if we let him move and the Holy Spirit move in our lives, we are going to see change. Okay? But understand this too, and this is, we've got to understand this. The change isn't about you. I got sent something today from my mom that was so hilarious to me. I'm going to share it. Someone 
someone came up to, you know, Francis Chan at a church service said, uh, you guys might have seen this. I'm not on Facebook anymore. So I, I, pres- I presented it to the worship team. And they were like, dude, you're late. I'm like, okay, <laughs> good. Um, glad you guys already had that discussion. That's awesome. It said this. Someone came up to Francis Chan after a church service, and they said, I didn't really like worship today. And Francis looked him in the eye and says, well, good, because we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> and so I thought, man, okay. I mean, but I think you got to write a couple books in order to say that to somebody. So... <laughs> I'm not going to say it, all right? But um, Clayton will say it to you. Um, So here's the deal. And I just want to say this. Let's run after God. Let's be a diverse group of people that shares the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that walks beside people in discipleship, that sees these people that were once far from God come into a leadership role, and then it all happens again because these people are in a relationship with Jesus Christ that were once far from God. They go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. They have people who they are discipling, who turn into leaders, who then do it all over again and again. This is something we will never stop doing ever. Is everybody down with that? Is everybody up with it? Sorry if you don't know that. Okay, stand up with me. Let's pray. By the way, no, no need to stand any certain way or sit. If you're sitting down, God's here. You want to put your hands up, put your hands down. Don't care. But here's what I would ask everybody. Just open up your heart for a second. Father, you called us to yourself by means of your marvelous glory and excellence. And we want to respond to you and we want to say yes to the things that you want to do. We, we do want to build up our, our knowledge of you, our self-control, our, our faith, our patient endurance. We want to love with brotherly affection. We want to love everyone. And Father, I pray that as we draw nearer to you, as we seek you out, God, that, that we would have opportunities. And then to be bold enough to stand up and, and say to someone, you know, can I pray with you? To say to someone, hey, Jesus, this, Jesus, that. To look at a need and fill it because that's what you're calling us to, not because we're going to get a reward, but because that's what you're calling us to. God, would you come and change our hearts so that we might be more like you? Would you bring diversity of age, of skill, of intelligence, of uh, creed, of ethnicity, of socioeconomic, of near to you and far from you. And God, we want to pray that, that we would look at people for who they are, and that's an image bearer of you. 
That when we look into people, we, we see them just like you saw the lady washing your feet. She was, she was seen for the first time and, and your words released freedom over her. God, could we be the people that are, that are going forward with your mission to the ends of the earth, which means our next door neighbor, and we're speaking words of life. God, where we've done people wrong, would you bring us to repentance? Would you bring us to a place of humility where we need to make things right? Father, would you come and would you help us to partner well with people that, are, that know you? Would you help us to partner with other churches, God, and, and help us to see that we, we are a small part of something big, that you, you've called us to be a part of the body, a part of the capital C church, a part of your bride. And, and, and what do you want us to do well? Because we can't do it all, God. You know that. What do you want us to do well? Help us to focus on that. And God, I pray also that we would put ourselves in a position of rest before you so that we can be available to what you want to do instead of being busy, 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 and missing our call. So, Father, I pray that you would release your Holy Spirit. Empower us, God. As we leave this building, empower us to do the things that only you could do through us. Give us vision beyond our own eyes and help us to see the things that you see in people. Help us to love like you love. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the gifts that were given to provide for the 35 families. I thank you for the gift that was given to provide for the uh, children's building. You are so good. You are so good. Help us never to sell you short in what you want to do. And God, I thank you that next week starts the beginning of a new chapter of Lakeland Vineyard. I thank you that we, we get to make room for more people to come to know you. And Father, I pray that two services is not a bragging point, but it's a point that we can say God is making more opportunities for more lives to be touched. We want to invite people in. We want, to, we want people to know about Jesus and then that we would act on that. So God, I pray for your blessing. I pray for three services because of what you want to do. Not because of anything that we're doing, but because we are holding Lakeland Vineyard with an open hand. And we are saying, God, would you come and move in Jesus' name? Amen.